Today we continue in our series called uh, DNA, the values, the vision, and the mission of City View Church. And today, um, before we get into today's message, I, I just want to give a quick recap if you were here or you weren't here of what happened last week when we learned about who we are in Christ Jesus who we are in Christ Jesus. And we learn that through Christ Jesus, we're accepted, we're forgiven, we're positioned, we're empowered, and we're created with a purpose. And that is what happens when you follow Jesus Christ. And we conclude that message by learning that when someone puts their faith in Jesus Christ and their, as their Lord and their Savior, they come under new management in their life. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he is now the teacher and you're the pupil. Um, he is the boss and we're the employee. He is the vine and we're the branches. And he is the potter and we are the clay. But today I want to minister to you about who we are as a church. Of course, this year, this church has been in existence in this city for over 100 years. Can you believe that? This is the 100-year anniversary. Can we give God praise for that? That's unbelievable. That's incredible if you think about that. And in the months to come, we're going to be celebrating a lot of different things. And, and then, of course, on October 22nd, we're looking at having a banquet on that Saturday. And then that Sunday, we'll be bringing all of our churches together. We'll be inviting uh, different dignitaries and pastors that have been a part of this church to come and others. It's going to be an incredible celebration that we're going to be having and so forth. But values are extremely important. Values are extremely important to a person or to any organization. Even the church of Jesus Christ had values early in its time in Acts 2, 42 through 47. We discover the guiding values that helped the church, the early church, to go forward despite the persecution, despite the hardships that they faced in that time. And it says in Acts um, 2, 42 through 47, it says, and it's not on your screen, but you can turn your Bibles if you'd like to or on your app, but it says in Acts 2, 42 through 47, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Acts 2, 44 goes on and says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Acts 2, 47 says, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added. Everyone say added. The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so we see the, that the early church and, and, and the Christians, they, they valued certain things that we read about in Acts 2, 42 through 47. First of all, they valued God's word through the apostles' message. They valued the word of God. They valued praying, and, and that's what we're doing this, this first 21 days that we start tomorrow and as we pray and fast and so forth and believe God for great things to not only happen in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world, but also with our family and our loved ones and where we work and all sorts of things. Number three is another value that we see is they, they love being in community with one another. They love doing life together together. Um, whether it was in the church or in their homes. And, and the, the value that was there was they loved a fellowship. Uh, they loved seeing miracles taking place in front of them. These were people who valued faith. 
because they knew without faith it was impossible to please God. And then we see another value is that they were generous with each other as well as others beyond those that they were in community with. And that the value there was giving. They were into giving. That was, that was what they were about. And then they worshiped together, and they had a, de- a deep sense of awe or reverence for who God was in their life. There was, the value there was worship. And then, of course, they deeply cared for one another, and their value there was compassion. So we see faith. We see giving. We see fellowship. We see worship. We see compassion. We see praying. We see the word. And those values, despite the persecution and the hardships that the church went through during that time, the Bible says that the church was added daily. There was growth that was happening in the church. And as a result of those values, the church of Jesus Christ grew as people were being saved, delivered and healed and added daily to the kingdom of God. I want you to understand that values are a guiding principle by which you should live. I hope that you have values in your life, convictions and standards by which you live by. Values are the guiding principles by which you and I should live by, whether it's in your marriage. I hope you have values for your marriage. I hope you have values as a family or in your career or where you work or even where you go to church. And values become the principles that identify who we are. They, they, they become the DNA, the very building blocks of who someone is and who we are as a church. And, and values will usually align with what you love. They'll align with what you, what's in your heart, and it'll cause you to focus on those things until they become a reality in your life. Values even have a way to shape our culture. Think about that, church. What was once right is now wrong, and what was once wrong is now right. You see, good or bad, but the key is whether we have good values or bad values, in order for them to happen, you have to live by them. And unfortunately, we're living in an anti-Christian culture that is living by what they think is right, but it's really wrong in the eyes of God, in the eyes of his word, and so forth. But if we don't live by our values or we compromise them, then here's what's going to happen. You will begin to drift away from what you once said was very important to you. Whatever was important to you, maybe when you were at that, at that altar and you made a commitment to your spouse till death do us part, something happens when there's not a certain value in that relationship and it'll cause you to drift away from what once you said was very important to you and you will discover the, that the effectiveness of what you determined to accomplish is going to be threatened when you don't stand in convictions with your values. You see, values are the line in the sand. They're the, they're the, we, create the, we create boundaries with our values and our beliefs for a couple or a family or a business or an organization or, or even a church. And there's several things that, that, that um, values do for a church. Have you ever thought about that? They communicate what is important to someone. And we're going to talk about what the five core values of this church are because we believe those are the most important things. You see, I value my marriage to my precious wife, Therese. And I value my, my, my relationship with my kids, and I try my best to provide for them. I try my best to protect them. I try my best to spend time with them. I try to send, you know, serve them. Why? Because they're important to me. I could go and do a bunch of different things if I wanted to. I could fill my, my schedule with a bunch of things going on, but I value my spouse. I value my children, and values communicate what is important to someone. Secondly, values influence one's behavior. They influence your behavior. Behaviors exist only in the environment that supports them. Think about this, friends. When there are no values in our homes, when there's no values in our lives, when there's no values in our city, our state, our nation, or even in a church, then people will create the the culture. They'll create the values of what they think should happen, of what they think should be going on in that that home or in that church or in that city or whatever it may be. And, And as a result, people usually base their values on what they like. Isn't it amazing how we can go to eat 
If we were to go to eat somewhere and we looked at the menu and we saw that there was liver and onions and, they, and you looked at me and said, Pastor Troy, I know you love liver and onions. I'd say, get thee behind me, Satan. No, I'm kidding. You know, I don't like liver and onions. I don't like them at all. And, and what happens is people usually base their values on what they like. You might like liver and onions, and I'm going to pray for you right now. The altar's open. Come on. No, I'm kidding. But the bottom line is that's what happens. People usually base their values on what they like, and if they don't like one's values, then they will create a behavior that causes them to tolerate more than celebrate that, that value. And biblical values tell us this is how you should live. Third, values assist us in what we say yes to and what we say no to. Think about that, friends. For example, in a church when decisions need to be made on what we designate for our budget or, or what we cut back financially because maybe we have, you know, we're, we're running in the red and we, we don't want to do that, so we want to be wise stewards of what God has given us. What happens when we cut back financially during hard times in our budget, whether we, or whether we should start a ministry or stop a ministry, the answers will always be found in your values. Your values will determine where your money goes and where it flows and all sorts of things that happen. And, and, and they can be found because your values give you a clear and more accurate response on what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to, whether it's for your own personal budget, whether it's for your family, whatever it may be. And the fourth thing is values enhance credibility. They enhance credibility. People want to know what an organization, people want to know what a political candidate stands for or believes in. And people want to know what kind of culture you're, you're trying to create in society or, or for a city or for a county or for a state or for a nation. And they want to know what are your guiding principles. What is ultimately going to shape the environment of, of, of what they believe in as a candidate or, or maybe what you're, you're, the environment of your life or the organization or, or what you believe in or, or literally who we are as a church. And ultimately, as a Christian and as a Christian church, our values should reflect the heart of God. Our values should reflect the Word of God, not what's opinion, what, what's popular or what's in or something like that. Those are important things to remember. So today I want to give you five core values that as a church, this is who we are as a church. This is what we're going to continue to become or grow in. And maybe you've heard of them. Maybe you haven't heard of them. But, but, but faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God of the Lord. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you can, to write down these five things, if you're able to. The first one is, we desire to be a church who loves to worship the goodness and the greatness of God. We want to be a church who loves to worship the goodness and the graces, the greatness of our God with our lives. You see, the key word right there is worship. We want to worship the Lord, and we should all desire to have a heart for worship. We should all have, you know, even just like that child's making a joyful noise to the Lord. I love it. Because that's what it's about. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Even my little dog when I was little, named Barishnikov, he was a Shih Tzu. And, and my mom would sing worship songs in the house, and the dog would harmonize with my mom. And, oh, if it was a worship song or if it was a, a fast, upbeat song, he, you know, he loved it. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. God desires for our hearts to, to be set on living a life of obedience to him, willing to lay aside our own desires and our own ways. I love what Romans 12:1 says. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Has God done something for you? We sang about his faithfulness this morning, and I know we've all experienced the faithfulness of God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, did you notice that the day after Christmas, as people were returning stuff or buying stuff with gift cards, that they all of a sudden had Valentine's Day stuff up? 
Did y'all notice that? I mean, it's like they didn't even wait. It was like all of a sudden, boom, there's all this Valentine's stuff that we see um, in, in, in stores and so forth around that, that right after Christmas. But did you know that love is something that can fade? Did you know that love is something that can change what it once loved? You know, I used to love mustard when I was a kid. Now I hate it. I, I don't like it. I'd rather have salsa. No, I'm kidding. But the bottom line is this. You know, there's certain things that you once loved that you don't love anymore. And, and it's because love can fade. Even though love should be selfless, it can also become self-seeking if one is not careful. That's why we should be in awe of God's love for us. That's why we should stand in amazement of the love. I mean, think about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if you do the right things, you won't perish, but you'll have... No, no, it doesn't say that. It says if you believe... But there's one thing that will quench someone's love. There's one thing that will quench our desire to worship God. Do you know what it is? It's called bitterness. Bitterness will prevent you from living a lifestyle of worshiping God. When you harbor bitterness in your heart, here's what's going to happen. Happiness, joy, and contentment are going to dock themselves away from your mind. That's what will happen, friend. Even though our circumstances or our hardships might never change for the better or they might even get worse, God's worth never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Somebody give him praise. God's worth never changes. The stock market might change. Who's in the White House might change who's in, in certain political worlds might change, but God's worth never changes. And I know that when, we're dealing, when we choose to worship God, no matter the issues that we're facing or we're dealing with, it touches and it impacts other people. Think about that. When you and I choose to live a lifestyle of worship, whether it's individually or it's corporately, it touches and impacts other people. You might say, Pastor, how, how can you say that? Well, well, look at Paul and Silas in the New Testament. They were singing hymns. They were worshiping the Lord in the house of the Lord. No, no. They were in prison. They were in prison. And what does the Bible say? They remain committed to worshiping God in a prison. And the Bible says in Acts 26, 16, that the chains of every prisoner fell off them. Worship impacts and touches other people when we don't even know it. We must have a heart to worship God, not based on how we feel. We should not have a heart for worship based on what the music style is, if it moves us emotionally or not. But we must worship God for who he is. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He is the great I am. He is the Prince of peace. He is the soon coming king. We need to worship God for who he is. Amen? It's important. We can fix our eyes on what we're dealing with, we can, or we can cling to God and worship him because he's worthy to be praised and adored. I want to encourage you, church. We need to continually make this church a house of worship, amen, in spirit and in truth, in reality and in love. Secondly, another core value is we, we desire to be a church who loves and values people, who loves and values people. The key word there is people, people. I love, I love what Jesus did in the woman in the crowd, and you can read about her in the Gospels, but here's a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Everyone say 12 years. 12 years. She was unlovely. She was unwanted because of her issues. She literally became a social outcast. 
And Jesus, when he encountered her, he had a busy day, just like we all have busy days. I mean, I don't know what your schedule is like, but for instance, he had, he had just cast out demons out of a young man and, and called them into a herd of pigs, and those herd of pigs ended up going over the, the cliff into the lake, and the, the city was so impressed by what he did that they, they asked him to stay and do more miracles. No, they were so upset with him that they asked him to leave. Think about that. That's going to be one of the saddest things, that people asked Jesus to leave when he had just performed a miracle of a boy who had been demon-possessed with legions of demons and so forth. So what does Jesus do? He graciously leaves the city, and as he leaves the city, all of a sudden, this wealthy man who's a high-ranking officer named Jairus comes to him, and he begins to tell him about his 12-year-old daughter. His 12-year-old daughter is dying, and, and Jesus, full of compassion, says, hey, you know what? Take me to, take me to your house. I want to meet your 12-year-old daughter who's, who's literally dying on, on, the, on her bed. And so as Jesus is going, people began to gather, and they heard about the miracle of the, the legion, the boy that was demon-possessed with all these legions and so forth. And so the, this crowd just began to attract, and this woman heard about Jesus. And so somehow she, she, gathered, she went to where the crowd was, and, and she found Jesus, and she touched him. And when she touched him, Jesus said, who touched me? And all the disciples were looking around, Jesus, come on, there's like thousands of people here. I mean, it could have been anyone. It could have been one of us. It could have been Jairus. It could have been anyone. But no, this woman who touched Jesus, I want you to understand something. She didn't have her act all together. She didn't have her act all together when she encountered Jesus. But listen to me today. God is more concerned about individuals found in every crowd. Did you hear me this morning? God is concerned about every individual found in every crowd. From the crowd in this room or online, God is concerned about your well-being today. He's concerned about your well-being. From a wealthy leading citizen named Jairus to a woman who is so low in the, in the social totem pole that her name isn't even mentioned in the Bible. She's known as the hemorrhaging woman. You've got a man interceding for his daughter to a woman who has no one interceding for her. You have a man whose 12-year-old daughter is dying and is desperate to a woman who's been bleeding for the past 12 years, who has no joy, and is desperate for, 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 for someone to love her or to care for her or to socialize with her. Church, I want you to understand that crowds usually disregard people. Crowds usually disregard people, but Christ goes right to the hemorrhaging woman like she is the only person in the world. Culture labels people by what they do. Culture labels people by how they look or what they say. But Christ sees people in terms of value, and he looks at them in terms of love. I'm so thankful for that. He sees us as human souls in need of a Savior. God is always thinking about you. Sometimes you wonder, God, don't you, don't you know what I'm dealing with? Don't you know what I'm going through? And he's like, I do. I know what you're going through. I understand your circumstance and your situation. And not only is God always thinking about you, but he's watching everything that concerns you. Everything. What, what is concerning you right now? Only you know the answer to that. But I want you to understand that God is watching everything that concerns you. Why do I believe that? First Peter 5.7 says this, he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Some of you need to stand on that promise. Some of you need to remember the word of God. And as a church, we must always love and value one another and people in general, just like Jesus loves and values us. And to be honest, let's just keep it real. It takes faith to love the unlovable. It takes faith to love the unlovable. It's easy to love someone that likes you, who thinks like you, who acts like you, who talks like you, but it's a whole heck of a, a harder thing to do to, to, to love the unlovable. But God connects with people of faith. What did Jesus say to the hemorrhaging woman? He said, your faith has made you well. 
Your faith has made you well. You see, friends, faith is the spark plug to get one's relationship with, God's go- with God going. If you're trying to figure out why is my relationship with God not growing and going and, and, and things just seem stagnant and still, maybe because there's a lack of faith. You can't start a gas-powered car without a spark plug. And that's the same way it is with, with the faith in, in the Christian life. What always gets God's attention to getting us moving forward is this simple word called faith. This woman did whatever she could to find and touch the hem of his garment. And it moved Jesus. He singled her out, not to embarrass her, but to, to reward her because of her faith. So, church, let's continue. or Let's begin to value and love people by faith. Let that be one of our things. And the third core value is we desire to be a church that changes our world through evangelism and outreach. Evangelism and outreach. Our job as Christians is to share the good news. Everyone say good news. We have the good news. Good news. Say it with passion. Good news. There you go. There's a little bit of a pep or maybe someone poked you or whatever it may have been, but it's good news. We have good news this morning, friends, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And, and our job is to share it with those who need it, they, who need it. People will never hear about the gospel unless we tell them. They'll never hear about the gospel unless we show them through acts of compassion. The key is God commanded us to go, and, and he didn't just say it's an option. And he didn't just say one time. You can say, well, I went on that mission trip, so I, I'll check off my box of evangelism for, you know, 1999 or whatever it may be. No. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and told his disciples and have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, it says in verse 19, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. The beauty of Jesus is that when he left this earth, He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us minister to those who are hurting, to those who are in need of help. And we're to pray for those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, some of you have unsaved loved ones or unsaved co-workers or whatever it may be. Pray for them. Make that a value this year that you're going to believe by faith that they're going to come to know Jesus. You see, another, another thing we can do besides pray or share our faith is we can support evangelism financially. We can support it prayerfully through our missions program, our missionaries and that we support and through the ministries of the local church. And, and we can serve in the many outreaches that we do for our community as well that, that you'll hear about in the weeks to come or, or give towards those events or, or pray for those that are going to be participating and involved in those things. But we all have a job to do. Every single one of us are ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all have a job when it comes to evangelism. We all have a job when it comes to reaching our community, our nation, or even this world through missions and the local church. What does it say in Philemon 1.6? And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Let me just say this, friends. Is heaven our ultimate home? Raise your hand if you believe that. Is heaven our ultimate home of where, where we want to go as followers of Jesus Christ? Yes, of course it is. Then our goal should be to recruit as many people as possible to join us where we're going. We're recruiters. Do you know that? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a recruiter. You are a recruiter. If no one's around, look at your hands. I'm a recruiter. You are a recruiter to get people to come and experience heaven as their home. And our desire is to be a church where people discover who Christ is and, and what we all can do with our lives in the, in the little world where God has placed us or called us to. And now the fourth value is this. 
I want you to understand that we desire to be a church that teaches people to discover the truth of God's word by developing disciples of Christ. The key word right there is a disciple, a discipleship. See, if we're going to be true disciples of Christ, friends, we must be all in. Everyone say all in. We must be all in, not in or out or when we feel like it or not or when things are only good and not difficult. We have to be disciples of Christ all in. We must surrender our ways to his way and our will to his will. We must decide daily to deny ourselves, to pick up the cross, and to follow him. Because one way or another, every single one of us is either going to be a child of his word or we're going to be a child of this world. And we can experience freedom in Christ Jesus or we can live in bondage from what Satan has to offer us. We can, we can live in, in the light of God's word or, or join in the darkness of our society's habitual sins. We can experience the truth of his word or we can entertain the lies from Satan. We can either love God or we can hate him because he gives us all a free choice. And it simply comes down to that, what we choose to follow and what we choose to completely surrender to. And as a disciple of Christ, we've got to obey him. We've got to live for him. We've got to strive to serve him and love him and and learn from him. But we must abide in his word if we're going to be one of his disciples. Because a disciple of Christ is not moved by our culture. It is not, or, or that person is not moved by what's popular. But they are moved in thinking biblically and being responsive to the word of God. Can someone say amen? Amen. And one of the ways that happens in a local church is when we dig our roots deep in that church and study God's word together in community through through the various classes that we have on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning or or other things that may be happening or, or these Sunday morning services that we have going on. There's so many things that you and I can participate and grow in the Lord and the fear and admiration of the Lord. John 18, John 8, 31 through 32 says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to encourage you. Next Sunday, we start Sunday classes at 845 and we've, we just launched our Thursday classes and so forth at, at 630. I want to encourage you to, if you can, to dig deep roots to where God has placed you and develop community with one another. And let this be the year where you grow in the Lord and the power of his might like you've never grown before. And finally, the fifth core value is this. We desire to be a church that equips people to do great things, great exploits from the joy of serving others. You see, the key word there is is servant, is servant. A servant knows that they are not in charge. A servant knows that they don't call the shots. They live in humility by obeying their master. And who is our master? It is the Lord Jesus Christ, our our Lord and Savior. And someone who serves others shows compassion. They take care of them more than they would themselves. And, and, and And when they choose to serve someone, here's the key, friends. We have to take the towel. We have to choose to take the towel just like Jesus did at the Last Supper. The closer we live like a servant of the Lord, let me tell you something, friends. The greater or more successful you will be. Do you want to be great? Do you want to be successful? Then let me tell you something, friends. The closer you live like a servant for the Lord, you, it'll happen. If you want to be a better spouse, if you want to be a better employee, if you want to be a better student or a business owner or a parent or a guardian or a grandparent or a child or a grandchild or a child of God, then you and I have to strive to be a servant of God who postures ourselves in obedience, in gratitude, in, and remaining humble in all that we say or do for the glory and the honor of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. After all, Jesus emptied himself. 
He emptied himself and became nothing so that we could become something. And that's what happens. When you and I choose to be servants, we, we empty ourselves so that others can live, so that others can experience the goodness of God. I love what it says in Philippians 2, 3 and through 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. See, we want to be servants. And I believe as a church that when we strive to be servants, God is going to pour out his spirit like he's never poured out his spirit before. And our desire is to be a church where you're equipped and devoted to serve in some area of ministry in this church. All of us should be doing something to help reach our city. Whether it's in evangelism or outreach or praying or giving or whatever it may be, all of us should be, be, be building people in their faith through discipleship. All of us should be living in a lifestyle of worship to God. All of us should strive to inf be influencers for the kingdom of God by serving others because we love and value people. It can't just be the paid professionals, friends, who do it, but through all of us. Everyone say all of us. When we all work together and we all row in the same direction, God can do incredible things. When we strive to be servants, we will see God develop a, a deeper passion to love and to serve our neighbors, our peers, our family, our friends, our city, our world, and our church. And so here's my challenge. Here's my charge. I want you to listen to this this morning. Church, will you help us to continue to make City View a place where we are passionate about worshiping God? When you come in and you're like, man, I don't want to worship God today. We just got in a fight in the car. We just, there's been a rough week, Pastor. I don't want to fake the funk. I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I don't want to worship God. My prayer is that when you walk into this room, that you'll say, I, Lord, I put on the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. And today I choose to lift my voice to you. I will not let the devil lie to me or manipulate me, that I'm a hypocrite, or I have no right to sing, I have no right to clap, I have no right to raise my hands, I have no right to do any of those things. I'm going to take authority by the name of Jesus, and I'm going to worship God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Help us to continue to make City View a place where people are accepted, where they're valued, where we make friendships that last a lifetime. Help us in reaching people with the good news, whether through your testimony, whether through sharing your faith or inviting them to church or an event we have here going on. Help us as a church to continue to strive to grow in our faith as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Help us to continue to, to go forward by giving of your tithe and missions offerings and praying for our missionaries. Strive to be a servant as we show a hurting world the power of God's healing love by serving in ministry. Let me tell you, friends, you need to think through this year. Did I do anything for God's kingdom last year? Did I volunteer for an outreach? Did I, did I help out in children's ministry? Did I do something? If you didn't do anything last year, I want to encourage you, do something. Do something. This church will never grow or go to the next level unless we go and do it together. There's strength in numbers. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're committed in coming and you're committed and you're digging your roots deep in this church. This is my challenge to all of us in 2022 as your pastor. I pray you accept the challenge. Embrace these five core values. Next week, we're going to talk about standards of ministry and cultural values of who we want to be as a church in, in the now and in the years to come. And, and, and would you continue or begin to help us see the mission or the vision of this church come to fruition? And I'll, I'll be sharing more about that in the Sundays to come. But I want to encourage you. Think about those five. Every head is bowed and eyes are closed. 
What area do you want to grow more in this year? Perhaps it's in your worship to the Lord, not just, not just in corporate worship, but with your lifestyle. Is your, is your lifestyle a living sacrifice based on when you want it to be or is it based on when God wants it to be? Maybe in loving and valuing people. Maybe it's, it's hard for you to love people. I, I understand that. But maybe you can value them because Jesus values them. Or maybe you, you want to grow more in evangelism or outreach. You, 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 know, you said to yourself, I've, I've never shared my faith. I, I've never even written a testimony. I don't even know how to share my testimony. And this is the year that you want to learn. And, and the testimony is basically what your life was like before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, and what Jesus has done for you since. That's your testimony. And maybe this is the year that you write it out. This is the year that you share it with someone. Or maybe it's choosing to become a, a devoted follower of Jesus who continues or, or starts to grow in being a disciple of Christ through his word or perhaps being a greater servant. This year is, the, and that's your desires in one of those areas. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. And maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you want to rededicate your life to him. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. But I also understand in a room like this, there's needs. And maybe you have a need. You're, you need healing in your body. You have a surgery coming up. You have a diagnosis that you're, you're praying is not cancerous. You need healing in a relationship or a marriage. You need financial breakthrough. You need a job. Or perhaps you're dealing with something emotionally like fear or stress or anxiety or discouragement. Or you feel dry spiritually in your walk with the Lord. Or, or you have a prodigal son or daughter or, or a loved one or a friend who you're praying to come back to the Lord. And we want to pray with you in agreement. We want to, maybe you're online, just send your prayer request in and we want to pray for you. So if you're able to, would you stand with me in this holy moment? And if you're able to stand, I'm going to ask our, our pastors and our board and elders and prayer team people if they could just come down here and, and find their way and there's anointing oil. But the Bible says that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I believe God wants to do something at these altars. And, and as we worship the Lord in this place, we want to pray with you. We want to believe together that God's going to do something. So if, if spouses are available that are part of our staff and so forth, we, we would love for you to come down as well. But let's just believe God to do something supernatural. And then when we're, we're done and so forth, Pastor Tony's going to close us out in prayer and then he's going to just give us some announcements as far as what's going on. But Father, in the name of Jesus, maybe it's one of these four values we want to grow in. Or maybe it's salvation or rededication. Or maybe, Father, it's one of those things I listed that these individuals need prayer for. Or they're going to stand in the gap for this individual who's not even here. And they're going to believe by faith with these brothers and sisters that, God, you're going you're to do the impossible. You're going to move the unmovable in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Let's worship the Lord. And let's just give him glory and praise for his goodness. Come down, church, just as you are right now. Let's believe for God to minister healing and breakthrough and miracles. Just like the early church, they believed in miracles. God, do it today. Do it only you can do. Come, church. Let us pray.